back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with Natasha Mason. Hello. There she is, and she is my lovely wife. And uh, we are back for another episode on the study of the Acts of the Apostles. We are in uh, chapter 13 of Acts. We're coming out of chapter 12 where James has been killed. He has been beheaded for the gospel. Um, Herod Antipas has decided to round up the Christians, the believers, and uh, he has captured Peter and he put Peter in prison. And through God's miraculous deliverance, Peter is brought out of prison and he goes about his way. Now, in the last chapter, we talked about how Peter disappears. Basically, he goes looking for um, safety and he's trying to get away from Herod Antipas because he doesn't want to be captured. And he doesn't want to bring um, persecution down upon other believers. If he hangs out and he stays around, um, there's a good chance that others that are around him would be caught up and thrown in prison as well. So he goes off, and um, we talked about how in uh, the Catholic religion, it is believed that he went to the city of Rome. Um, but in later in Acts, we find out that he doesn't. He actually stays um, in Israel. He's somewhere around Jerusalem by chapter 15. Uh, so the claim that he left and he went and started a, uh, a church in the city of Rome is um, not founded in the scriptures at all. There's nothing there that, that even indicates that he had done anything like that. Um, so we come to chapter 13. We're going to get into uh, a couple different things here. There's a couple different changes that occur in chapter 13, and we'll go over what they are. We'll do what we do normally. We'll go verse by verse. We're probably going from verse 1 to about verse 30, as chapter 13 is about 52. I believe it's like 52 verses long. Let me look here. 52, yes. Um, so we'll do the first half of Acts this week and the second half next week. So Natasha will start reading and we'll go with verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manane, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So in the verse one, it's telling us there are people who gathered together. Um, a couple different people that it mentions here is uh, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was called uh, um, Niger, um, which is interesting. It's the Latin word for black. So he was either he was a, a black man or he had black hair or something about him um, really made him stand out that they identified him that way. Um, Lucius was of Cyrene, which is a different country. That's in um, Africa. It was in Africa at the time. Um, and Manea. And it says that all, interestingly enough, it says that they were all brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, or Tetrarch, um, which is Herod Antipas, who has died in the last chapter. You remember God punished him severely. Um, and they were all, so basically what the scripture is saying is all these men that were around were raised in the same. They were educated the same. Um, when it says there's teachers and prophets, it's talking about their education, that they were in the church, they were uh, wise men. And so they were, it was in, it, what it's doing here is it's showing us a contrast between uh, people who accept uh, the belief of Yeshua and Jesus. And then you have uh, Herod, the uh, Herod Antipas, uh, who was absolutely completely against it. And they were all raised together. And we see that a lot of times in our, our culture. It's interesting enough that Natasha and I went to a Christian school growing up, and it's interesting to see how we turn out versus other people we went to school with. They received the same gospel. They received the same preaching and teaching that we receive. And there are others, and there are people that we know who went completely the wrong way and completely opposite. So that's what we see in verse 1. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work 
whereunto I have called them. Verse two, they're coming in, they're, they're praying, um, and they're fasting. So among the Jews, uh, they would fast on what we would call Monday and uh, Thursday. There were two days of the week that they would actually fast and pray. And so here they are, they're fasting and praying. It's probably on a Monday or Tuesday, not sure a Thursday. I'm not sure which day it is. It doesn't say, um, but they're ministering unto the Lord, which basically means they're praying. That's what ministering to the Lord means. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So uh, interesting. This is the first. These are the first missionaries. This is the commission of missionaries by a um, a body of believers. So when we see missionaries in the current world today, it's very rare that you see someone jump up and say, "I'm running off to a different country. I'm going to go on my own and I'm going to minister and witness." Um, generally, it's in our churches and congregations today. We are giving people a charge. You know, someone that feels the call of the Lord to go to another country. And uh, that's the Holy Spirit pulling on them. He's setting them aside for a certain work. And then a, a congregation would gather together. They would agree that we're going to pray and support this person who's going off to do the work. And so here, the Holy Spirit is wanting to set, up, uh, set aside Barnabas and Saul to do a work. And so the, the brethren there, the congregation has decided we're going to pray over them. Or we're going to lay hands on them, um, showing that we uh, affirm their work and, and we're going to send them off to do the work of the Lord. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Cyprus is, uh, Cyprus is in the Mediterranean, um, and they are headed off to, um, to Cyprus to preach the gospel. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also... John to their minister. So they've arrived in Cyprus and Salamis is on one side of the island of Cyprus. It's an island in the Mediterranean. And the first thing they do is they go in and they minister unto the Jews in the synagogue. Um, it's interesting enough to know that the scripture says that salvation goes to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. And even then this uh, operation where they've gone out to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, they always go to the Jew first to offer him salvation before they uh, preach to the Gentiles. So that's what they did here. They go in and they go to the synagogue and they start ministering and then they, uh, they continue on. And when they had gone through the aisle into Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Oh, this is interesting. So in verse 6, we come to, uh, they've, they've gone through the island. They're going from one side to the other. Um, we're going to see, honestly, um, they're, they're working their way, I want to I say, from east to west, um, as to where Salamis was and where Paphos was, um, as Paphos is on the completely other side of the island. It's on the other side near the sea, and this, this city's on this side. So they work their way across the island. They run into a man, interestingly enough, named Bar-Jesus, um, and so this is, I've had someone in the past that said, um, this, this indicates that Jesus had a son because bar means son and Jesus would be the name. Well, it's the son of Jesus, right? So that's what, cause that's what it means. Um, but it's, that's not who this is. This is not at all who this is. So we go back to, uh, if you get into doing some studies and you do some biblical studies, you're going to find a, an interesting thing occurs here. Joshua, Yahashua, uh, was a common name in Israel. Uh, Yahashua was the name of who we currently call Jesus, the son of God, his name, we use the name Yeshua, um, but his actual name bears more resemblance to Joshua. Um, and so his name was Yahashua. And so it was a common name to have a, a someone named Joshua. 
So they come upon this man who calls himself Bar Jesus, and it's supposed because of the things he's doing that he's using him. He's using that opportunity to say that he is related or he has something to do with deity because he's able to do these miracles or these uh, little tricks, these little sorceries that he does. And we'll see that um, they were actually in the scripture there where it says sorcerer. It really means somebody who um, did sleight of hand tricks. He really didn't have magic. He just did these little sleight of hand tricks. Which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for who, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So there's 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 two men here. There's one, the Bar Jesus, who is doing, uh, who's doing little sleight of hand magic type things. He's in he's intrigued the idea of the Sergius Paulus. Um, Sergius Paulus. He is the deputy. He's the uh, deputy of the country. Um, so in the Roman Empire, the way it kind of worked is that the uh, they would have two different uh, rulers of an era. They could have somebody who was the imperial from the government running an area, or they would let the people themselves elect an official, and they would he would run the area. So this is who Sergius Paulus is. So he's captivated by this Bar Jesus and his claim that he can do these things, these miracle things. And then he hears that Barnabas and Saul are coming, and he's like, you know, now he's really curious. Uh, these men say they're of God, and, and I've heard that they do miracles, just like kind of like he does. So now I'm really I'm curious, and I want to find out. So there's another man who who pops up, and it calls him uh, Elymas the sorcerer. And it doesn't really the the word here in Greek. Um, if you get into the study there, it doesn't mean he was a magician. It really means he is a learned man. He is a uh, potentially a physician, a doctor, a lawyer. He's somebody who's very well educated, and he does not want the he doesn't want Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, preaching the gospel to the uh, the deputy there. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. All right. So stop in here real quick because we're stopping. Um, this is the very first time that Saul is ever called Paul. Uh, there's a lot of people who, who mistakenly believe that when he was on the road to Damascus, that when Jesus called out to him, that he called him Paul. Um, that he changed his name. A lot of people want to say, well, God changed Avram to Abraham and he changed um, Jacob or Isaac to Israel. You know, there's this, there's this idea that we want to say that his name got changed because of something that happened, but that's not the case at all. We've explained earlier in some of the other chapters that most of these people had a Hebrew and a Greek name. So what we're hearing here is um, Paul's, the name that the Greeks would use to call him Paul. Um, in Hebrew, there is a word called uh, Paula, which means wonderful. So it could have came out of that. But there's also um, there's also a Greek word uh, Paulos, uh, which means dwarfish. And so a lot of people think that he got the name from the Greeks because he he might have been a small man. Maybe he was he was short. He wasn't very tall. Something like that. Um, but this is the very first. Interestingly enough, this is the first time he's ever called Paul, and it's the very last time that he is called Saul in the scripture. So this verse nine is where it occurs. It doesn't give any indication that God himself said, change your name, change um, anything about you. It's just Luke here, the writer Luke decides he's going to call Paul something different or call Saul something different. Um, if we were to meet Saul today, we would call him Rav Shaul because that's his name in Hebrew. Um, but here in the scriptures, he starts going by Paul because I believe he's out to the Gentiles. They're using his Gentile name. And that's just, that's kind of the way it went. Um, but there's no, I think a lot of people want to say Saul was the persecutor of the church. Paul is the man that God raised up to, to witness to the Gentiles. 
Those two are the, it's the same man. Saul went to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. It never changed. His name never changed. God never changed his name uh, himself. He was always, and he always is, even still today in the presence of God, he is Saul. He is that Hebrew man who went out to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So here we have, uh, again, Luke is making an interesting distinction. Uh, I think Luke sees that God has worked through Paul. And he's he, he, and up till now, Luke has always said, Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul went. Barnabas and Saul went. And going forward from here, he starts saying, Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Because he's seeing that God is working through Paul to affect the Gentiles. And so you have this man who is saying, no, you don't need to listen to them. You don't need to hear what they're saying about their Messiah. You don't need to pay attention to that. And Paul, through the Holy Spirit, um, says, you're going to go blind. You're, and you're going to go blind for a season. Your eyes are going to get dark. You're not going to see anything because you reject the truth. You're trying to pervert the truth of God. And not only that... There's a very interesting point here to be made that this man is trying to turn away the true gospel about Jesus dying on the cross, Yeshua. He's trying to turn that away, and Paul calls him something very distinctive in that verse. He calls him a, a child or basically a child of the devil. He's saying, you're of the devil. Uh, what you're saying is a lie. And this is a real, This we're going to do another podcast that kind of surrounds us a little bit, but... Everything that our enemy comes to do is to lie. It is, is Everything is based on a lie. The way the devil operates is with a lie. Um, children of the devil continually lie. That's what they do. And so this man here is lying and he's saying he's perverting the truth. And Paul is saying you're going to be blind um, because of this. And, uh, and when the deputy saw it, when he sees what happens, he realizes that Paul, this guy's got, you know, the God, God is on his side. His words are true because you're walking around trying to find somebody to lead you because you can't see. You just went blind. Um, interestingly enough here, it doesn't tell us if the man ever got his sight back. It just says he went blind. So there's, there's uh, again, this is the Ananias and Sapphira thing where it's very dangerous to lie to the Lord, to be perverting the gospel here in the early church. It's very dangerous to try and stifle what God is trying to do. Um, he's absolutely having none of it, and he is setting himself out to apart from all the, the pagan gods that there were. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So they go into another town. They go into a, this is not the same Antioch that we had read about before. Um, apparently Antioch was a very popular name to be used when it came to naming cities. And so this is a different Antioch. This is... Uh, in Pisidia. Yes, in Pisidia. Um, so it's a different city. But the first thing they do, as I mentioned before, when they come into the city, is they go to the synagogue. This is where the Jews are gathering on Sabbath um, to read the Word of God. And so they go in there and they go to witness and minister to their brethren first before they go to the Gentiles. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. 
The God of this people of Israel choose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land by, to them by lot. All right. So, uh, again, he goes into the synagogue. Now, interesting, if you've never been to a synagogue, and I want to explain a little bit about what goes on for those people who don't understand Jewish synagogues. They're still in the world today. Some of them are called temple. They'll go to temple um, on Sabbath, on the Sabbath. They'll either go on a Friday evening before Sabbath or they'll come after on a Saturday evening after Sabbath is over with. And every t every current that I know of, um, Jewish uh, synagogue reads from what is known as the Torah. And they have basically a Torah passage that they read every week. And then the rabbi who is there will explain what this Torah passage means. Um, all synagogues, this is different than church. All synagogues read the same passage every week um, because they the, 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 the Torah is set up that they, they were supposed to read specific passages at specific times. And so um, a lot of these synagogues are reading the same thing. Even today in current society, they're reading the same thing together uh, every week. You could go to one synagogue. This you know If you went to two or three in the same day, you would find they're reading the same portion of Scripture. Um, Messianic groups, they get together. Messianic Jews, those who believe in Yeshua, are, continue to do the same thing. Uh, but they'll add in some of the New Testament. So they'll read the Old Torah. They'll read the, the Torah. Uh, and then they'll read the New Testament to go along with it. And so Paul and them, they come in, and these men identify Paul and Barnabas as being Jews because they're here. And when they see them, I, I don't know if it's because of who Paul is. Maybe he's he's well-known. Um, but they ask them, for some reason, to exhort, to give us a word. We've read Torah. We've read the Torah passage. Can you give us a, a word? Can you elaborate? And it's not surprising the words that come out of his mouth. And after he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet, and afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul the son of Sis, and man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God according to his promise raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem, and their rulers, because they know him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which were read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And they that found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain, and when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in, the, in a sepulcher. 
but God raised him from the dead. All right. So we got to verse 30 there. So God raises him from the dead. A couple of interesting things. Uh, we go back, remember, whenever Paul is preaching the gospel to people, especially the Jewish, his Jewish brethren, he always goes back to history. He goes back to lineage um, because it's very important to them. Um, at other times, he preaches uh, coming out of Egypt. He preaches what happens when they came out of Egypt. Here, he preaches to them that they went through the wilderness after they came out. Of, he preaches beyond Egypt here. He's saying, we came out of the wilderness and we tarried there for 40 years. Then God took us into the promise. Land, and we had to face off against seven different nations. Um, and the, the I had written out the nations. You have Hittites and Jezubites and uh, just all kinds of, uh, there are seven different nations they had to defeat there before God would give them the land of promise. And then he says, and then you ask God for a king. And who does God raise up except the son of Jesse? And he raises up. David to be a king. Um, I'm sorry. And, and he desired, they desired a king first. They got Saul. Um, interesting in that verse, I want to point out verse 21. It says, afterwards, they desired a king and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Cis. Um, in the King James Version, the name there is C-I-S. In the Hebrew, it's K-I-S-H. It's Kish. So he was actually the son of Kish. Um, the commentaries here are kind of funny because there's a lot of complaint from the people who were, were commenting on this scripture who were saying they did a disservice. The writers, the translators did a disservice to Kish by not leaving his name here as Kish. And I was looking at it and I said, they're upset because they didn't leave his name as a Hebrew name, but we changed Yahashua to Jesus. We changed Matashahu to Matthew. We've, we've, we've turned all the names in the, the Hebrew names of these disciples into Greek names, but you're upset that they changed Kish into Sis. So it didn't make a lot. It, it was just kind of a little funny moment for me because I thought, you guys are, wow, you really miss <laughs> And these are commentaries from like 200 years ago, just all kinds of different people. And so I got to chuck a lot of that one. But uh, he goes on to talk about how they, you know, you had David, the king, son of Jesse, and, um, how that God had raised up Jesus, who is the Messiah, Yahashua, um, from Jesse. And so he's, and, and, and it's interesting, he really goes at them um, as being the seed of Abraham. And he, you know, he's really pulling at the heartstring that you are, you know, you're his brother. And he says, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. He's really hitting hard that you are the descendants of Abraham. You should know. And he, and he says something here too. So on Sabbath, they read the Torah and they read some prophets. They read a portion of the prophets. And he's saying, in Jerusalem, they heard the prophets. They read it every Sabbath and they still crucified this man that they knew was Messiah based on what the prophets said. And so he's appealing to that to them too because they're reading the same thing. You're reading Torah every Sabbath. You're reading the prophets every Sabbath. And you should know who this Messiah, this man is. And then he goes on to say, um, not only is he the Messiah, the Son of God, but then he says in verse 30, but God had raised him from the dead. And so we're going to stop here. And Paul is presenting the gospel to the Jews in this synagogue. We're going to come back next week and we're going to finish out the chapter, really see what goes on from there. Um, really important takeaways from this is that um, even though we call him Paul, he is still the same man as he was before. But God, um, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, the Bible, if, if I were to ask you uh, if sin in the Bible had a color, what color would you call it? What would you think it is? What would your what would your inclination black. be? Yes, so most people would say that. Uh, most people would say, "Well, sin is black, right? And righteousness is is in the scripture would be white, but it's not. Um, though our sins be as filthy rags, they are filthy rags, but they are scarlet, right? The Bible oh, says okay. that. Scarlet. Though they be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. So there, our sins in the scripture are um, red. Yes, they're they're and it's because they're acquainted with blood. Your sins cry out for blood. 
Um, the sin that we commit cries out for blood. It has to have a sacrifice to pay for that. And so Jesus comes along and he removes that sin from you. He says, even though you're covered in blood, this filthy wickedness of sin that is screaming out for righteousness, I'm going to wash you white as snow. And I'm going to do it with my blood, which is the very blood of God. And so we see that in verse 30 where God himself has raised Jesus up from the dead because he is the son of God and he is the sacrifice. So we'll come back to this next week. We'll continue on in this chapter in the study of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. If you have any uh, comments on this, please see, uh, leave us on Facebook or Instagram. You can email us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. Um, I'm going to tell something there too. We haven't got one email off <laughs> that email account. I open it up and there's a little message at the top that says your email is sad. It's waiting on a message. Um, so if you want to email us and let us know what you think, uh, and give us a little insight, that would be awesome. Um, if you continue to listen, we'd appreciate it. And we just continue to hope, you know, we pray that God blesses everyone who continues to listen to this, um, this podcast, um, because we are just, you know, we're just so thankful. So we hope you have a good week and we will catch you next time. Bye.